following episode of Days of Thunder is brought to you as part of the PWOM Podcast Network. Subscribe to PWOM now to enjoy other fine podcasts talking wrestling of the past, the present, and much, much more. Let's start the show. And we are back for the second half of this uh, Thunder Double Bill Week, um, brought to you by Technical Difficulties. Uh, it's still me and Lee here. We're still... Stro- we're actually, if anything, Lee, I think we're energised after talking about a good show in the first half. How are you feeling? I'm, I'm energised. I'm wide awake. I'm ready to get into this... Um, not quite as good episode, I suppose you'd say. <laughs> right, look, let's rip the band-aid off. This was a fucking abysmal episode of television. This might have been the worst Thunder we have ever watched. It's certainly, we won't say which one, you can probably figure out if you've seen either of our Twitter feeds this week, it featured the worst match we have ever seen on this show. Uh, and that, that takes some fucking doing. Um... Yeah, it is a real, like, you know, it's a show of two halves in a lot of ways, but definitely in the way that uh, it last week's show was very good and this is very bad, which I think, Lee, unusual and a first in that last week's was the second half of a double shot and that's usually easily the worst when compared to a, a you know, on the first half taping. And now we're looking at a first half taping in Providence and this sucked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's a real backwards kind of um, backwards way of, thing, way of doing things in that normally the second half of the show is the real shitty half. But we've had it flip reversed on us this week. And, um, oh. Yeah, the, this this one is... It's an all-time bad. I mean, it's... Like you said, there's just no way... Nice way of saying this. This show sucks. Yeah. Um. Right. Let's just get into it here. Uh, Thunder, episode 49, Providence, Rhode Island. 4th of Feb, 1999. Um, it's hard to believe we're already through our first month of uh, 1999 WCW. Only 11 more to go, pal. <laughs> um... <laughs> Cold open on Hogan with a man that I could not for the life of me identify at first, but later turned out to be Chuck Zito. Uh, I, I was sure that was um, Sylvester Sloan's shitty brother. What was his name? Um, oh, um, is it Frank? Frank. Frank Stallone. Frank, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that I had referenced on the show when... Um, when Norm Macdonald died, because the, 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 the iconic Frank Stallone running joke on, on Weekend Update. Um, I'm pretty sure Frank Stallone has been on wrestling shows with Hogan before. 
Um, I thought it was either Frank Stallone or Andrew Dice Clay. Based on how he was <laughs> That would have been infinitely better than Chuck Zito. Oh my God. If, if like Ho... If Hogan and Dice were hanging out in 99, it would have been something else. I mean, imagine Andrew Dice Clay showing up on Thunder. Oh. And you know what? He might have, for all I remember. Uh, who knows? We'll, we'll get to it eventually. For those of you who don't he, know... Actually, do you know what he should have done? Andrew Dice Clay should have showed up as Tony Mameluke's, like, uncle. <laughs> Tony Damaluke. <laughs> Yeah. Although, like, I was thinking about this um, uh, with what's his name um, on NXT. Who's that guy doing the the Sopranos gimmick? Tony, Tony D'Angelo. Hey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, how has he been on the show for like several months now, and they haven't got Polly Walnuts out with because him? they're idiots. Any character that's doing that kind of shtick needs. Polly Walnuts to come out. Um, I'm sorry, you got to get that man involved. Uh, for any of you who don't know, Chuck Zito, a man of many talents, according to Wikipedia, uh, an American actor, amateur boxer, martial artist, celebrity bodyguard, stuntman, former boxing trainer, and former president of the New York chapter of Hell's Angels, which I have to imagine is the single biggest reason that he was involved here is that. You know when Eric Bischoff hears about anybody that's uh, a motorcycle enthusiast that he is just fawning all over them to give them a paycheck. Mm-hmm. I mean, this this is a guy that ended up doing a pay-per-view in front of all these fucking Hells Angels, what, three years yep. in a row? For yep. free? <laughs> um, so they're chatting in the limo and this in turn is spotted on closed circuit by Flair, Aaron and Dean. This is footage from Nitro, isn't it? Yeah. So, um, sorry, I, I got are, distracted by Sam Roberts and his fucking head on my TV. I uh, had just to uh, just to peek behind the curtain here. The the NXT War Games pre-show is happening as we're recording this, which will date exactly when we were uh, doing this show. Um, and it it is going to be a tough race to see which show is actually better. Uh, I do not hold out hope for. Uh, War Games anyway, because at least this show uh, we don't have to ever watch it again. Um, two big matches being teased in the tag tournament tonight and I promise that <laughs> I love this Tony's, Tony mentioned at one stage a promise that the commentary will talk at length tonight and I do not doubt that for one second <laughs> I totally missed that actually yeah uh, then we see Arn on the old timey uh, phone with the, the old timey like the... phone <laughs> well Fucking it is hell. now because but how long has it been since you've seen like a phone with a top receiver that has like the curly cord? Like I haven't seen one of those in real life in maybe ten the, years. This will tell you, holy shit! Yeah. We went to um. This is where Lee reveals that he has a fucking rotary. Oh yeah, phone one, one, in the gaff. No, we 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 went to see uh, Santa Claus earlier on today, and the the man or the Tim Allen classic. Oh, the man, the man. <laughs> um, the Tim Allen classic will definitely be on the TV in the next couple of weeks. Uh, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> um, but yeah, the the gift Connor received was a football on a string. Ha! You know, wow. you know the ball you hold and you kind of volley it and kick it and it comes back yeah. to you. Yeah. And Connor's 
gets the box and he obviously goes, oh, look, it's a ball from the 2000s. It's one of them old ones. Oh, no. And I went, excuse me? Oh, no. It was one of the black and white, like, you know, like Euro 96 era Adidas black and white, you know, you know the kind of like yeah. hexagon. Think of like a cartoon football. Yeah. And that's, yeah. And I was just like, God. excuse me, that is a 1980s football. <laughs> and yeah. I was like, everything that everything that's more than like within his like la- last few years of memory is ancient oh, to him. And I was just like, I'm just gone. Like 2000s. I was like, the child has no idea. God. Well, well I mean, thanks he, for- he got it. As if we needed another reason to be bummed out talking about Thunder episode 49. I mean, mate. he got a new teacher in the last couple of weeks. His teacher's 22. Yeah. <laughs> and I said to, to uh, Jen today, I was like, just think about this. His teacher was born in 1999. Oh, oh that sucks. Mm-hmm. Well, like, you know, I'm working with... Um, I like a lot of the young people I work with were born after I finished school. Like, and some of them were born. Some of them are starting to be born around the time I finished college. Oh, yeah, you're you're getting to my age. Yeah. <laughs> um. Anyway, so Aaron is on his phone checking out checking how things are going on with the flares. Uh, Aaron says it's weird that David seemed to see nothing the other day and is okay. So we are to we piece together that uh, he was attacked on Nitro again, and they don't know who the assailant was. Is that what I'm to understand, uh, Lee? From what I could gather, the NWO were planning to attack David Flair, and for some reason the camera was there, and then Chuck Cito realized the camera was there and told Hogan to cover it. Yeah, and David Flair, and you're left kind of in this kind of suspension of was David Flair attacked or kidnapped or whatever yeah. they were planning, and then Aaron is on the phone going, "Okay, so David's there, yeah, and he's fine, yeah." End of end of mm-hmm. story. Mm-hmm. Our first con- contest of the show pits Chris Jericho versus Scotty Riggs and his two eyes. His eyes are back. Was laser eye surgery a thing in 1999? I don't know, but I, I was kind of... Uh, I, I enjoyed the irony of how he um, he had... His depth per- perception had returned to him, but quite ironically, his character had no depth whatsoever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's very... Uh, my monocle has tipped into my champagne glass type of dad joke. Thank you very much. Um, speaking of eye patches what did you think of Pac's eye patch this week on AEW I don't know if I like it as much as punished Venom Mox's uh, eye patch but I did like it a lot and I mean he got missed in his good eye this week I mean yeah is he gonna show up with the double eye patch next week well, this is what people were saying. It'd be great if every additional TV appearance he somehow has an extra eye patch. I mean, he's going to have an eye patch on his tour die. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Matt Seidel raging at the gimmick infringement. Um, um, 
so before this match they show backstage and uh, a running theme tonight again is B-team drama uh, Horace, mm-hmm. Adams and Stevie are in their limo they're complaining about Vince uh, Adams <laughs> Ad, uh, Brian Adams in perhaps the truest thing he's ever said in his entire life said that Vince being champion in WCW would kill the business yes it would <laughs> yeah <laughs> I mean, you know, we talked at the end of la- of the of, of the first part of this show about how, um, you know, there are a load of guys in WCW that should have been given a chance to run with a belt. Vince, not no. one of them. No, no. I mean, the guy couldn't draw people to an Olive Garden. So, <laughs> um, at the start of this match, uh, Jericho appears to send Ralphus to the back, um. But the commentators ignore it completely. Um, this match, not a huge lot to say about it, to be fair. Um, it was interestingly seeing Riggs as a fiery babyface and getting a crowd reaction and doing a plancha. I mean, do you have any memory? Well, not even memories, but are you aware of American males era Scotty Riggs? I I am aware we'll we'll put it generously at aware like you know that period of wcw of which you're more familiar is my wcw blind spot okay. well in spite of the fact that we once terrified poor bose johnny by blaring the american males team across <laughs> a tram stop at him in your car um, well i mean apart from their incredible music uh the american males were like quite the hot young baby face tag team and would routinely bust out like planches and you know the, the hot moves of the time. Um, unfortunately, Scotty Riggs has not moved on in those four years. No, and not really improved as a worker. Um, I mean, he's fine, but yeah, it, it's very bland. Like it's, yeah. and I wrote about this is about the match. Like it's very paint by numbers. Mm-hmm. Which is why I am completely aghast at, like, the crowd is really into this. And maybe it's the fact that it's the first on-air match of the tapings. That everybody is hyper for being at TV. Like, maybe that's it. Because it wasn't, like, I've seen much better from Jericho. I've seen much mm-hmm. better openers on this show that got less over. So I was I was completely fucking... Although I will say, uh, he does a really cool uh, drop kick into a chair at one point, um, but then finally, I think the crowd catches up with our impression of it, and you get boring chance. Yeah, I I think flat is the best way to describe it. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Um, there's a lion tamer attempt, uh, running knee lift from Riggs for two. Uh, he goes up top, Jericho swipes the dropkick attempt away, puts uh, the tamer in, and he does the sick lean, uh, which we love. Not quite the full knee in the back, but he get he, he nearly gets there, um, and that's the win for him. Uh, next, we have a, an NWO-style pre-tape with Liz and Lex talking about how great it is that the NWO is all together. Um, and at first, I was just like, it's really weird that you do this on a show where the running storyline backstage is how much like the B team part is is falling apart, but then actually the more I thought about it, the more I liked it, because I was like it actually 
one part of this story that I can absolutely believe is the hubris of the big names like Hogan, the Outsiders and Lex not understanding that it's all falling apart beneath them. I actually think that's pretty clever. Mm. I'm not necessarily sure if that's entirely deliberate, but I I like that part of it. Um, Do you know what I did like, especially though, Lee, before I, I turn over to you for your thoughts on the segment, is that um, in in spite of uh, him giving it loads about saying that uh, him attacking Goldberg at the pay-per-view was one of the highlights of his career, I thought it was a real, like, cl- you could see the classic uh, pro wrestler in him that he puts over Goldberg immensely in the process of doing this. Yeah, I mean, one, one of the real positives of this segment is Lex Luger actually puts Goldberg over in a big way. Um, yeah, I. You call him like the toughest competition of his career. Or it was, it like was that. something along those lines. Um, like he does the kind of like old football coach thing of he runs down his positive points on the screen and, um. I I mean my biggest takeaway from this is we are now in the era of Liz and Luger. Yeah, firmly, which would be like a mainstay for, yeah, the pretty much, pretty much the, the entire, entire rest, rest of the run. Um. Yeah, there were periods where she was off TV, but yeah, they're pretty much uh, like, you know, where one goes, so goes the um, other till this company closes down. Two yeah, years I, from now. I, I believe they weren't a in real life couple at this point. Yeah, it's always hard to tell with those wrestling, you know what I mean? Like the, you know, were they a couple, but no one mm. knew, you know, like because you know, there's their version, what the actual version is. Like, we all know what the Steph Triple H thing, they always insist the relationship started at yeah. a certain time, but, you know, people are kind of like, oh, um, But yeah, like, I I quite enjoy the pairing of Liz and Luger. And I, I, I think Liz, for all her faults, and we'll talk about it later on, there's, I mean, she's not always great in her role, but... No, she's not fucking Meryl Streep, yeah, that's for sure. I... I do kind of get a kick out of Liz being such an active character. Yeah. Uh, one of the all-time greats in, spar- in spite of, like you said, um, the, the, the the limitations mm. she has. Um, so this leads into Tony announcing that uh, the match at the pay-per-view involving... Um, Involving was it Conan and Ray against Nash and Luger, Nash and yeah. Luger will be Ray's mask versus Liz's hair. Mm-hmm. Again, you know we talked last week about them just throwing out mask stips with very little build. So we're what two to three weeks away from the pay per view, and they go, "Oh yeah, uh, Ray Mysterio's iconic mask is on the line here." Yeah, it's it's like just under three weeks. Um, I mean, not great. <laughs> Like, like this is a guy that has been in WCW since, what, the summer of 96. Yeah. And, I mean, inarguably, he's iconic within WCW already. Mm. And they're just going to give away his mask on three weeks build. Yeah. Crazy. Absolutely crazy. 
Oh, well. Moving on to our next contest, we had uh, the, the team of Ray and Conan, who, again, they're an established team, so no need to come up with a special name for them in this tournament. I did, you know, try to half-ass put together calling them Raydo. So, hang on, um, is this a tournament match? I don't think it is. I, d- I don't think it is, but I, it's WCW, so I couldn't rule it out. Um, but they face Lee's favorite tag team, Disorderly Conduct. And, uh, go on. I mean, listen, if you don't love Tough Tony and me, Mike. Isn't Tough Tom? I mean, it doesn't matter. It's fucking, it's <laughs> it does, it Angry matter. Allen and fucking Scuba Steve. It does, like... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As a... Uh, was once uttered by Bobby Heenan at uh, Tough Tom Salty Sa- Sally. Yeah, it doesn't exactly. matter. Um, right. <sighs> I looked at these two guys in the ring in their shitty gear and I thought, God, there was a lot of the same looking guy in WCW at this time. Was he white? Like, <laughs> Did yeah. Did he have like, a mullet? <laughs> <laughs> like, this is it. Like, basically... Thick goatee da with black hair was like it was WCW's version of how everybody on the indies in the mid two thousands had short brown yeah. hair, <laughs> you know, like good god, just a just generic looking man, um, singlet, long pants, yeah, yeah. Uh, majority of this match is Heat on Ray with Conan getting hot tags, which is exactly as you expect from these guys. You know why? Why mess with it? But uh, I will say, like, crowd is particularly dead when disorderly conduct have control of the match. Um, but they do come alive whenever Conan does anything. Um, at one point, this is weird, right? So, like, this is Conan showing his limitations. So he goes to do a very slow tequila sunrise because it's to set himself up as a base for a ray spot. But I think he gets caught up in his mind going I need to make sure I turn this the right way to get into mm-hmm. position and the result is it's very very slowly apply the tequila sunrise so he gets into position for the sunrise Um, Ray runs in to stop the submission breaking up but um, it, it's uh, fucking Dopey Dan or whatever he fucking takes out Dopey Dan. and uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jobber Johnny fucking taps out to to, to um. Yeah. The Tequila Sunrise. These were all, these were all my favorite Letterland characters growing up. By the way, <laughs> um, so uh, he goes to try and break up the uh, submission with a Hurricane Rana, um, but this is this is like this is one of those times as well where logic and continuity goes out the window because the finish of the match is Ray, the illegal man, pinning the other illegal man. I mean, listen, we've established that WCW referees aren't, you know, yeah. they're not good. My analysis of this match in my notes was just, come on, man. <laughs> That's all I wrote. I mean, it's very obvious that Conan and the other one are the legal guys. Yeah, Conan and the I other don't one. know his yeah. name. I don't care. Yeah, Eggy Eric or whatever his Eggy name was. <laughs> Fat Fred. <laughs> 
Jesus Christ, yeah. Um, next up, we have uh, the B team arriving earlier today as Vince arrives in his own limo. They say he's three hours late and they're really getting tired of this crap. Um, uh, B team motivational talk for Horace. Uh, Vince comes in to try and take credit for the motivational talk and Stevie is upset and kind of shoes him out of the room. Um, next up, we have the Disciple versus Norman Smiley. And God, if ever there was an uphill battle in Norman Smiley's career, this was it. Um, I, <laughs> I will say, um, the one of my biggest pops on the show was during this match because as he comes out after all these weeks of build, Tony Schiavone finally says Norman Smiley unprompted, and. The, the lads lose of it. Brain yeah. and Tanae. They absolutely, they're elated. And I love, I love the thing. You finally said it right. And Tony's like, I've always said it this way. Yeah. Dead pan. Like, oh, yeah, on. just like, yeah. <laughs> I wrote, oh, Jesus, big brother booty is um, back. Um, I, I'm reading John Moxley's book at the moment. Yeah. A great read. I fully recommend it. Um, but John Moxley recommends he he going he kind of at different points recommends like different albums different wrestling matches stuff like that different books um and a match he recommends people watch is norman smiley versus minoru suzuki oh i'd watch that from i i think it's i can't remember off my head i think it's 1990 wow <laughs> but yeah look up norman smiley yeah uh, versus minoru suzuki I mean, I will be doing that instead of watching War Games when we're finished here, I'll tell you that. Um, they start up and they go to lock up. And I was just like, oh my god. Norman is going to try and do a wrestle with this useless cunt. <laughs> do, do you know what fascinates me? Is that... How this man stole a fucking living off Ian Hogan's mate for decades. And then sold him out at the first opportunity. But, not that. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> no... It's that, okay, Brutus was a heel in WWF as part of the Dream Team. And, you know, he got over to an extent. But then he became the barber as a babyface and was super over. And he remained super over until, like, 1992, 1993 ish. He was so over that when I started watching wrestling in like 96 one of the first characters i remember my cousins who were into it in the hogan era talking about being one of their faves growing up was bruce, bruce. Well, there you go. like he's one of those names that like obviously you know when you start understanding wrestling and watching it more you don't put them on the same level as the like the hogans and the mm-hmm. savages and stuff like that but in terms of like memorable characters from the era oh, he's he up was there like the number like generously you'd say he's like the number four babyface number three maybe at certain times um but like i'm fascinated by this guy got so incredibly over a bit as a babyface in the late 80s early 90s and then proceeded to go to wcw and be a heel for the rest of his career And have, you know, 47 different And not gimmicks. one of them got over. No. And not one of them should have gotten over Why either. Why did they just bring him the in and say, this is the barber? Yeah. I don't know, yeah. It could be Harry the hairdresser instead of Brutus the barber. Something like that. Yeah, anything. Anything. 
<sighs> I really like I'm 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 looking at the matches as they're coming up and I'm getting less and less energetic about talking about what remains, but let's power mm-hmm. through, my friend. Um just to show how fucking beyond belief bad the disciple is, at one point he fucks up a roll up. And not a roll up that he himself was doing, a roll up that he was to be rolled up mm-hmm. into. So the only thing he has to do to be it's rolled beater. up is to fall it's backwards. Beater, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he didn't. And basically, Smiley had to pull him down into it. He had to do a shoot roll up on this useless fucking bastard. Um, according to a sign in the crowd, Norman's only fan is here. Lucky night Norman for has them, only fans. I guess. Yeah. The, oh, yay. Um, the disciple, uh, he's shown off his big wiggle. Um, I, 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 hang, just, on, hang on, hang on. I have to interrupt with Vic Joseph and his leather jacket. Yeah. He's fucking... Oh, God. Do you know what he looks like? He looks like somebody that's, you know, gonna, he, that's going... He, he looks like he was rejected from a casting for Grease 2000. I was going to say, he looks like somebody who is starring as evil Dale Cooper from season three of Twin Peaks in a very bad high school musical version of Twin Peaks season okay, three. <laughs> it's the most convoluted reference I've done in this in a while. Anyway, um, there's a point in this match where Disciple starts working the arm and I just started laughing at the idea of Disciple doing limb work. Um, I, I, it's one of the times I'll rarely I'll rarely disagree with our good friend Jamesy who loves when people work limbs and sell limbs. It's like, this is one match where I absolutely did not want to see I was just going to say, I don't think Jamesy will be seeking out this match too much for uh, limb no, work. no. Maybe we'll recommend it to him and see if we can trick him into watching it. Uh, Norman's peck dancing is more athletic than Beefer's entire body. Um, the big wiggle is over as fuck is the only real other notable thing mm-hmm. in this match. Um, Norman Conquest wins. This match was shot. Oh, it sucked. It, it fucking awful. Uh, backstage to Horace and Adams trying to psych themselves up for the match tonight. Um, they say ignore the noise and just focus on the match. Oh. Uh, now we get... Knowing what match that is. Oh, my God. Now, we have the first family, a.k.a. the Faces of Fear. I also gave them the nickname of, because they're two guys you absolutely absolutely do not want to mess with in a shoot situation. I call them Team I Hope We're Cool, Sir. Um, <laughs> versus the already established name of Half-Assed. Um, in the tag tournament. Um, for those of you who haven't already figured it out, this is maybe the likes of Heroes of Wrestling aside, one of the worst matches I've ever seen in my entire life. I, I'm not doing a bit when I say this is up alongside Jenna Maraska and. Um, Charmel. Charmel as one of the worst matches I have ever seen on American television. And it was so long, Lee. It was so fucking long. And not one moment of it was anything above abysmal. Like, Webcon sent us a tweet saying it was 16 minutes. 
I would have put this down as at least 25. I would have put this down as about 16 fucking hours. Jesus fucking wept. Right. Tony mentions on Nitro that DDP busted in swinging into the NWO locker room, which sounds much better a thing to watch than any combination of these four men in action I could possibly think of. Well, I will say that... as I've indicated by the end of this. When we see the footage, that's not what happened at all. Yeah. No, it really they really over-egged what DDP actually did on that. Anyway, Horace, I can't remember if I said this before, but it definitely felt like it with his little stupid singlet. He very much looks like a pound shop rip-off Goldberg action figure. Do you know the ones that are like slightly wrong in the face, slightly wrong in the body, slightly wrong And his in name the is like Muscles McGee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, God. Just a fucking awful, horrendous professional wrestler. Um, Horace attempts... Oh, my God. I love this. So, very early on in the match, like, it spills to the outside. And Horace attempts to intimidate and trash talk a fan who not only is not in any way intimidated at all, but then crotch shops him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what a... After, I would have... This is one of those, like, you know, when you'd hear about territories promoters that, like, if uh, if somebody got, like, if a wrestler got beaten up in a they'd bar fight, yeah. they'd, get, they'd be fired. And that is exactly what I would have done to Horace in this. It's like, look, the f- you're supposed to be this big scary heel and the, the fucking fans aren't phased at all. Get the fuck out of my company, yeah. you piece of shit. Um, <laughs> so Horace has this singlet. We've talked about it before. It looks like it's hand-drawn, the NWO on the front and the Horace on the back. And in most cases when, you know, a, a lot, a lot of wrestlers have the name, you know, the first name or the surname or the whole name um, emblazoned on their trunks. And for most of them, I, I concede, yes, it's a branding thing. In Horace's case... I genuinely believe that his name is on his singlet in case he gets lost. <laughs> and on the outside, it says Horace. And on the inside, inside, there's a tag that says, if found, please do not return to Terry Hulk Boulder. <laughs> I was going to say it has like property of NWO post to power plant, at whatever the address was for the power plant. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Adams eats a couple of headbutts and Horace. It, this is brilliant. So Horace is being double teamed and Brian Adams is just chilling out. Oh, yeah. He, you know, he doesn't he does, care. He, just hanging out. Doesn't not, not particularly pushed. Can, can we, can we this, say that Horace Hogan and Barbarian have so little chemistry that in spite of being in the same company for the guts of, what, a year and a half, I feel like they had never met each other. <laughs> Do you know what? I'd say after this match, if you asked either of them, they would have no recollection of wrestling each other. <laughs> Just then. Like, you asked them when they come back into Gorilla, they're like, no, never heard of him, mate. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, uh, they, it, 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 it's they, so, it can't right. be stated just how bad Horace Hogan is in this match. Yeah, and... 
he is the worst in this match, but is also still bizarrely in the running for the best wrestler in this match because that's how bad all four of them were in this match. Overall, in terms of an entire career, yes, the worst. But in this match, it's anyone's guess who was the worst. And I don't even know if you want to say who's the best because I, I think that implies that someone was good. I mean, Jimmy Hart gets a um, bottom for 10 seconds. So, I mean... Yeah. Well, so this is the part right after the double team where I start to lose my fucking head because, Lee, this match goes through a commercial yeah. break and I fucking lost the, it. The, I wrote, this went, this of all matches went through yeah. a commercial break. I wrote, God, this sucks. It's so plodding. I now completely zone out for a while. I check my emails and it's still happening. <laughs> so I tune in just in time for... The worst one arse cheek pile driver I've ever seen. And they have never looked good. And I'm like, all right, okay, finally it's over. And oh my God, it's still happening. There's a kick out after the, after the pile driver. They go to do a bunch of bollocks outside. Vincent takes Jimmy out uh, on the outside. This surely leads to the finish. But no, more wrestling. What the fuck? Then we get to a phase in the match that lasts a couple of minutes where Barb is being beaten up and just flat out refuses to bump. I mean, that's <laughs> just like, not ours. I can't blame him. No, he's just walking around, barely even selling, let alone not bumping. Um, Horace tries to win the match by doing a running splash. Barb then hits a sick looking powerbomb for what I thought was the win, but what the fuck, it keeps going on. Then I wrote, Barb with a big boot for the off, fuck off, it's still going on. (laughs) Meng kicks Adam in the bollocks. Barb attempts a superplex, gets clubbed, and then Horace hits the single worst elbow drop in the history of elbows. Yeah, he... (laughs) He not so much does a diving elbow in that he slips off the ropes into an elbow drop. Yeah. You you were talking about how you would fully believe that him and Barb had never met each other before this match. I would fully believe that until he leapt off the ropes, no one had told Horace he had elbows. <laughs> I thought you were going to say he'd never been in a wrestling ring and I wouldn't have argued with you in spite of seeing many yeah. Horace Hogan matches. Maybe he went to that giant anatomy lesson from episode two of the podcast where he said got, that his shoulder was attached to his arm of, attached yeah, to a chokeslam. at the end of his arm that's a chokeslam. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So maybe that's his understanding of human anatomy. Um, um, I mean... I, and do you know what, here's the thing. I said this to... So Galazzo Dan uh, tweeted in response to me saying that I think this... I said, I think this was the longest match I've ever seen in my life. Civilizations rose and crumbled as I watched it. And he said, well, this is at the top of my most watch list now. And I said to him, not only were there, as you can see from me reading my notes there, not only were there at least five occasions where I thought, finally, they're going to end this, and they didn't. But even though I was begging for this match to end, Lee, when it eventually did, I was so mad at how bad the finish was. <laughs> I should have just been relieved at that point, but they found a way to make me mad that it was over, as well as being mad that it happened. Yep, because this company... <laughs> I mean, this, this match... <laughs> this match is part... We don't do. <laughs> it's part of the fucking tournament. 
<laughs> and it's so bad. <laughs> that somehow yeah. they've taken a tournament I, that wasn't worth a shit. I made, made it, it worse. worse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is the right, like, this is, you know, wrestling tournaments are supposed to make the prize at the end of it illustrious. And if anything, somehow the WCW tag team titles, which were basically in a missing persons, uh, a missing persons case before this, somehow they've made those belts less over, which is incredible. The Ill- it was such a low bar and they just power slid underneath it the illustrious Robbie Rage now looks like fucking Kazuchika Okada as a tag team champ after this <laughs> tournament match <laughs> fucking fucking Judy Bagwell looks like Kenta Kabashi by comparison to these four pieces of fucking garbage <sighs> if, if I if I was a wrestler and I had a match like this I would without hesitation retire I mean, <laughs> like, I mean, I wouldn't even shower after this match. I would say I have no business being in this locker room. Pick up my gear bag. I would say still drenched in sweat, but I don't think any of these men put in enough effort to say they were drenched in sweat. Take my gear bag and just go home and never come back. Never speak about my career, this match. We don't do star ratings on this show, Lee, but I'm going to give this a star rating. This was minus five stars. If ever there was a minus five star match, like uh, uh, it's another one of those. I think I said this about one other match before. I would have to rewatch the infamous heroes of wrestling tag to be absolutely certain. But other than that, this is the worst match I've ever seen. I mean, Lanny Paffo was employed by WCW for multiple years and never worked a single match. And he somehow contributed more positively to the company <laughs> than these yeah. four ever did yeah. after this point. Because uh, again, I, I don't know what we can say to just exemplify how incredibly awful this match is. You need you need actually I I never recommend stuff on the show. You need to go watch this match for how bad it is. That's how bad it is. I was so mad. I'm so angry. So angry so about mad. it. I was so mad that I will never get that time back. And I don't care, Lee. I like if we had, had technical difficulties on this show and had to re record this, we wouldn't and sometimes have. we do. Sometimes we sometimes we rewatch um shows to refresh ourselves, you know, the odd time we had a technical difficulty before. Not only would I not have rewatched this episode of Thunder because of this match, I would re- have refused to speak about this match a second time. I never want to talk about this match. I never want to think about this match again. Thinking about this match again would uh would constitute an invasive thought in my brain. I don't want it in there. It's going to make me feel sad while it's there. <laughs> Did this company dies in two years' time? And you know what? If you had said that to me right after I watched this match, do you know what I would have Good. said to you? <laughs> Good. Yeah. Good. I said I, I would have said, do we have to wait two like, years? Two years' time just to... Can we just call it a day? Did this company goes through some awful shit that people have written books about how bad it is yeah this is now the bar unless anything yeah. is worse than this 
this, this, is, this the thing, is the low is point. In the, back of my, in the back of my mind, I know there's going to be worse. And it's it, the reason I know there's going to be worse is that in the amount of stuff that we have read between Death of WCW, the Nitro book, uh, Observer newsletters, all sorts of articles where people have gone back and reviewed or talked about WCW, similar podcasts... I don't remember anybody talking about this match, which means it must not rank in the bottom 10, 15 horrible if, WCW matches. If we accomplish one thing with this podcast, it's that I want this match publicized for how bad it is. Yeah, because like, so things like Age in the Cage, which happened before our run, and things like the uh, Hogan Warrior match at Havoc that we talked about, which was, I think that was the other one that I mm-hmm. was just like, this is one of the worst matches I've ever seen in my life. And I was right then, and I'm right now. Um, At least there were moments in that match that were extremely funny. Not intentionally, but I laugh. Like the log roll spot, extremely funny. Not meant to be. But I was perversely entertained and I enjoyed giving out about it on this show and laughing at it as I was watching it. The Rodman tag match that we shit all over. You know, there are many bad matches we watched on this, but none of them have I been finished with and said, I am absolutely, I am this level of incensed that I had to go through this. (sighs) <sighs> yeah it's just this is for people that are active wrestlers and would remain active wrestlers <sighs> honestly a beggars but I, I, I do think people need to go watch this match and just really understand how bad it is yeah like at least I get in my head that Meng had a continued career after this because you know when you're when you have as much of a name as him you can very much coast on your rep uh, or people liking you or being afraid of you for being a really tough guy in his case but like how Barb uh, Barb Adams and Horace were ever able to fucking steal a living from this company after this just goes to show like everything wrong with WCW. Um, sorry, just, just, just as we're talking about this, the women's war games match is going on, and I believe her name is Cora Jade, the skateboarder. Yeah, just drop kicked a trash can into um, Priscilla Kelly's face. Never once, yeah. never Dolan. once dented the trash can. Yeah. Um. The thing that really annoyed me annoyed me about Cora Jade there, because I don't watch Rainbow Raw, as it is often referred to. Um, but uh, I don't know a lot about skateboarding, but she has her name written on the, the top part of her deck. And I just know from my boss is an avid skateboarder, and he will always say, absolutely do not write in the kind of material she's written on on that part of your skateboard, because it will render the grip on it absolutely fucking useless your feet just won't be able to get a grip so well yeah. well Dave I'm gonna say that one Bruce Pritchard and one Vince Vincent Kennedy McMahon are not aware of these rules of skateboarding 
Are you saying those guys aren't like big X Games fans? I'm gonna go no. Nonsense. Nonsense of the highest order. Let's move on. Uh, brief segment where Stevie is looking for his slapjack. Uh, yeah. Uh, the commentary updating us on Bret Hart returning to action, but I was honestly, I was not paying attention. I was still recovering from the match. Uh, long story short, Scott Hall is wrestling Bret for the US title at the pay-per-view. And again, I'll tell you Why? what, two guys that, uh, I, they, he just is. Uh he just is. Hang on. I uh, saw this whole segment. It. I saw this whole segment and I never took away that it's Hall versus Brett at the pay-per-view. Yeah, there's a thing about... I, I think Hall basically just said that he... Oh, yeah, so they do a flashback to Nitro later on. And it's like they announced that... Um, who is it is going to be? It's Benoit. They, yeah, they be Benoit say Benoit Harris. is going to be... And, and Hall comes out and he's like, you know, he he calls Benoit a loser and he says that he deserves to be number one contender. So he basically eggs Benoit into putting the number one contendership on the line uh, in a match on Nitro and he beats him. Um, That is my understanding. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's the very that's the very next segment. But I think maybe what you were distracted by was Mongo, uh, Mongo beating up Disco backstage and throwing him into a room that was just like menacingly just Arn sitting in a chair with the tire iron and then the door swings shut. So Disco died. I mean, if only. Di- yeah, Disco was very much uh, a la uh, a very infamous Batman story, Death of the Family, just beaten to death with a pipe. Um. So yeah. Um. Next up, uh, we have uh, Goldberg on Nitro saying he doesn't fear Bam Bam ahead of Super Bowl, which I was very happy about because I was just like, oh, um, we're finally getting that match. Um, at last. Uh, our next match is Jerry Flynn versus Bam Bam. Um, this is gonna seem. Like a real, and this is less a reflection on how good this person was, and more a reflection on how bad this show was. Lee, it isn't completely unreasonable to say that Jerry Flynn was the best professional wrestler on this program. Top three. <laughs> yeah. At as, as I'm look, as I'm looking through the run, yeah, top three. Yeah, like in general. Like there's people like DDP and Norman Smiley on this show who are better wrestlers, but in terms of who had a better performance as a professional wrestler on this show, Jerry Flynn is probably number one. Yeah. Um, he does a cool cross arm breaker, some cool kicks. Um, I love the, again, like we talked about, uh, one of the squash matches last week. Um. This is kind of another case of Jerry Flynn, who is a fucking enormous human being, essentially playing the small, quick dude in this match. Um, I did start thinking about this Goldberg-Bam Bam feud during this, and much as I am happy that they're finally getting to the match, Lee, how annoyed are you that they basically, they set off this angle, it was a hot angle, they essentially just waited two months till all the steam went out of it, and now they're doing oh, yeah. it. They they totally cooled off whatever this feud was and killed yeah. any possible momentum they had. Um Yeah. Now I I know you could argue since Bam Bam showed up, they were pushing Goldberg towards the DDP match and then the Nash match. They had that stuff set up. 
But is it just me or is Goldberg and Bam Bam for the title as it would have been at the time? It, it like is that not the perfect big nitro? Mm-hmm. Like you're you're giving away a big match, but it's it's gonna pop a huge rating to do the singles if, match. We had that three way that was a fucking non event. If they were still doing it, like Bam Bam Goldberg is like a perfect clash of the champions match. Oh, for sure, for sure. Speaking of steam, uh, this match should have been quicker because mm-hmm. it runs out of steam very quickly the pace slows down during the heat and the crowd are firmly dead at this point um jerry flynn and his kicks are still a lot of fun though he hits a gorgeous drop kick into the corner um and in the greatest heel move on this entire show he goes to do his cool corner kick that we're big fans of and bam bam blocks him hits the greetings from asbury park and wins next up more B-team infighting as Stevie throttles Vince. Uh, Nitro throwback and Scott Steiner... You want to talk about something I'm really mad about. So Scott Steiner is firmly a stalker now and he gets in an argument with the Nitro girls and Kimberly and he lets Kimberly fall over who is seriously hurt and gets stretched out. What the fuck is this storyline? Uh, DDP then threatens the NWO in, yeah, a much more kind of like, a much less dramatic version of what had been described to us on commentary earlier on. Uh, Disco issues the challenge from Scott for the pay-per-view, gets a diamond cutter. Uh, DDP leaves the building to check on Kim. Um, So, things I'm mad at. Thing the first. um, DDP came out of Halloween Havoc on a hell of a Mm -hmm. roll. Um... You know, the one B baby face in the company, and they stick him in this stalker storyline, oh, no. basically. Not for, not for the last time in his career. And then the second thing I'm mad at is, Lee, I know we enjoyed the comedy of him and Buff, but Scott Steiner, when he turned and when he started getting serious was the biggest, like, one of the biggest heels with the most momentum in this entire company. Mm -hmm. And this is what they're sticking him with, that he's a creepy stalker. They killed it. I'm pretty sure Corey Jade just broke her arm. Yeah, that's what it kind of looks like. Um, Yeah. That's why you don't put green wrestlers in cage matches. Um. Anyway, but yeah, no, I I fully agree with your point that um. Oh my god. I I'm put off by the fact that they won't show a view from behind where her arm lands. Um. Anyway. Um. Yeah. yeah like Scott Steiner was getting so over as a heel by avoiding the um the Rick Steiner match. And him and Buff were yeah. so hated that, yeah. um, yeah, dude, now all of a sudden he is stalking the Nitro girls. And not only that, he's getting physical with non-wrestling women. And it's really weird, even by 1999 standards. Yeah, just uncomfortable, like proper uncomfortable mm-hmm. stuff. And... Like, it's not even being played in, like, 
you know the 1999 way where they play up angles like this they're doing it in a way that they're, they're doing it in a way that like even in character on tv they're just like no this is awful <laughs> you know so like it's they're not even yeah it's just it's <sighs> like i know they'd eventually sort of get there with steiner but this really is a like one step forward two steps back sort of thing yeah it's just like it it's so frustrating like we mentioned on the last episode that like WCW had all these examples of people ready to go, ready to be a top guy or, you know, an upper level guy. And Scott Steiner is another example of that. And they just cooled him off so much and now put him in this weird role that, like, yeah, I know he, he eventually becomes, like, the Scott Steiner everyone knows with the, you know, the, the freaks and the women and all that. Yeah, and the it's peaks. Like, and yeah, that's the Scott Steiner everyone knows and loves. But like mm. th- this, this kind of stalkerish kind of guy. Yeah, no, not the th- the same. No, uh, absolutely. Uh, next up, we have Glacier versus DDP. Honestly, this was just a squash. I don't have much to say about this. Um, top rope diamond cutter. Uh, to finish, Glacier really got beaten on here. Got almost no offense. Um, and Paige's sideburns look particularly green. <laughs> <laughs> can, can I just say it's 1999 we need to stop making Glacier try to happen yeah Um. next up we have uh, the main event and rightfully so in the main event we have Young Dumb and Bobby Duncombe versus the team of Kurt Hennig and Barry Windham the team I have dubbed the Peroxide Dads it's funny you went that route because I went for blondes have more fun. <laughs> yeah, okay. I like that. I like that. Hennig feeling out the Enos early in this match. Um, <laughs> Something that I noticed that has been a recent turn of events, Lee, is that Mike Enos's hair appears to have been dyed with shoe polish. Okay, so I was going to say something very similar. What the fuck is up with his hair? <laughs> It is proper. It is dyed a shade of black that does not exist naturally. Like, it was drawing light from the building. It was that dark. Has he been promised some kind of push if he grows out his hair? Or or did he get ribbed? He fell asleep and someone spray painted his head? Yeah, it, it's really strange. Um, Here's the thing, Lee. God, Bobby Duncombe sucks. Yeah... Unfortunately, he does. He's so bad. Like, every time he's in this match, it's just... it, it Like, it's not great, but it's much worse when he's do you know involved. What it, do you know, like, it was very much like 1986 Barry Windham taking on 1999 Barry Windham. <laughs> Except 1986 <laughs> Barry Windham was great. Yeah, he was fantastic. But yeah, in terms of, like, look. Yeah. 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 Um... Enos does a slingshot into the ropes, but it looks like shit. Tony covers for him. Uh, at one point, it, it gets real fun for about 20 seconds because Hennick and Enos are just like, fuck this, and they just start teeing off mm-hmm. on each other. And I, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that very much. Um, 
Hennig does a cool roll with the leg, so um, he's trying to keep um, he's trying to keep Mike Enos away from his corner. He's trying to protect that Enos. <laughs> um, so instead of uh, him getting the hot tag, he kind of gets him in a knee bar and rolls back towards mm-hmm. his corner, which is cool. Um, Duncan does a Brett's rope clothesline and manages to do a shoot clothesline, cracks Hennig in the head on the way down. Uh, Enos and the ref argue while Duncan has the roll up. Uh, Wyndham clatters him with a clothesline to the back of the head and drags Hennig on top of him for the win. That's it. What do you think of that match? I mean, cool. We get Barry Wyndham and Court Hennig as a tag team. I know, like it, it, it's it's not a good yeah. match. It, it's really not. Like Enos and um, Duncan might be one of the most lopsided tag teams in all of wrestling history. Yeah, yeah, and not just in terms of hair color. <laughs> um, yeah, like uh, this fucking tournament, man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think I think great. that's their second loss, great. so I think this is the end of Young Dumb and Bobby Duncan. Ah oh, no. Good. Good. Uh tell me, Lee, what did you think of this show? Sucked. I think people probably can figure out. <laughs> it absolutely was this the worst thunder? I mean, coming off what was probably the best thunder, I think this is I mean, we got disorderly conduct on this show. Yeah. The Disciple was on this show. The wor- That the, tag match. The worst match of all time was on this show <laughs> consecutively. Those three things happened consecutively. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean... It may not be... Like, we'd have to go back to our notes to see what the actual worst start-to-finish Thunder ever was. But... It had the lowest lows, I think, of any Thunder. You know, uh, that match in particular. But yeah, that whole streak it went through in the middle of the show towards the end. Fuck it. So bad. Right. Winners and losers, if you can muster the energy. Um, Here he is. He sits uh, back up. Like, Was there any winners? Not us. Like, I, I'm... Genuinely, like, I don't know, like, Wyndham and Henning, because they're now going to get a push. Yeah. Maybe Scotty Riggs, now that he can see he things again. Clearly. Yeah. Um, He can see clearly now the Raven's gone. <laughs> I now want him entering to a rip-off of the... <laughs> <laughs> um, but God, like blue, like everyone on the show is a fucking loser, man. I mean, Jesus, it's just it. It might be one of the worst television shows of all time. Yeah, I'm so bummed out, man. I'm so bummed out, and not just because War Games is on. Um, that might be fuck. one of the worst War Games right. matches of all time. I, t- I don't know, man. Yeah. Like normally if I'm recording something and a match is on in the background, I'm like, oh, I'll watch it again to evaluate. But I think now, even if it is better than we think it is, I will always think of this match as the match that was on in the background when I was talking the worst about match of all time. Ming and the Barbarian. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Jesus, um, that, that sound on right. does not get any better the more you see it. No, no. Thankfully, it appears uh, to be yeah. a worked arm break. So, yeah. But anyway, um, the finish counter brought to you by Ludwig Borga has seven matches on this show. Six clean finishes and one interference thing to a finish. So pretty good in that respect, if nothing else. And it is nothing else. Um, thanks everyone for listening. We'll be back uh, just before Christmas with Thunder episode 50 plus Snow Brawl. Um, and then as we uh, spoke about as well we will be back for a very special Christmas time treat as well so keep an eye out for that Um, thanks again and we'll talk to you in two weeks bye bye thanks everyone for downloading another episode of Days of Thunder Days of Thunder is produced by Lee Malone and edited by myself Dave Ryan and available every second Thursday night wherever good podcasts are sold you can follow Days of Thunder on Twitter or Instagram where we love to hear from our listeners about all things wrestling and beer we're at WCW Thunderpod on both platforms I'm at the day to Dave on Twitter and Lee is at Malone underscore 713 this has been a production of the PWOM Podcast Network subscribe there for a veritable feast of podcasting content from wrestling of the past like the world cast through the years in the International House of Combat to wrestling of the present with Boom Goes the Dynamite and Strong Style Story and something a little bit different with Gideon Guys Yours Mine and the Truth and Busting Balls subscribe now you won't be disappointed thanks I can feel the thunder that's breaking in your heart I can see through the scars inside you I can feel the thunder that's breaking in your heart I can see through the scars